Welcome to Truth 101 with Dr. Greg Ammons, a podcast which examines tenets of the Christian faith in a systematic way. Dr. Ammons serves as a local church pastor and professor of theology in the undergraduate, master's, and doctoral levels, bringing years of experience into the theological arena. Now, here's Dr. Ammons. What are angels, and why did God create them? Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101, a podcast where we look at the doctrines of the Christian faith in a systematic way. And in this 700 series, we're looking at the topic of angels, what angels are and why God created them, and different aspects about angels. In the initial episode in this series, we looked last time at angels being created spiritual beings and the names God gave to angels throughout Scripture. We looked at other kinds of heavenly beings, the cherubim, the seraphim, the living creatures, and we looked at the rank and order among the angels. And we also looked at a definition of angels, and that would be that angels are created spiritual beings with moral judgment and high intelligence, but without physical bodies. Created spiritual beings with moral judgment and high intelligence, but they do not have physical bodies. Now, in this episode, I want us to look at, at two aspects concerning angels. And number one, when were angels created? Does the Bible give us any indication as to when they were created whenever God was creating the heavens and the earth? And secondly, I want us to look at five purposes God has for angels. And I believe in looking at these, it will give us further insight into the topic, a misunderstood topic today among many in Christian circles of the topic of angels. First of all, when were angels created? Do we have any kind of hint or clue in the gospel, rather the biblical record, when angels were created? Well, all angels must have been created before the seventh day of creation. Because we read in Genesis 2, 1, quote, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, end quote. Understanding host to be the heavenly creatures that inhabit God's universe. Even more explicit than this statement is Exodus 20, verse 11, when it says, in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. So if God made heaven and earth and the sea and all that was in them, that had to mean that the angels were created at least by the sixth day of creation because God rested on the seventh. But can we be even more specific about when the angels were created? Well, it's, it's possible. There may be a hint at the creation of angelic beings on the first day of creation whenever we read Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then immediately after in verse 2 we read, and the earth was without form and void, but with no mention of the heavens in the second verse. So it, it, it may be possible that that suggests to us that the uninhabitable state of the earth is contrasted with the heavens where maybe 
God had already created angelic beings and assigned them various roles and various orders. And this idea is made even more plausible whenever we read Job 38, verses 6 and 7, when it says, quote, The morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy at the time when God laid the cornerstone of the earth and sunk its bases in the process of forming or our, our, our founding it. Now, if the angelic uh, the, or rather the, the, the angels, the sons of God, they're shouted for joy when God was making the earth inhabitable. This could imply God created the angelic beings early on day number one of creation. Now, we're not told that. That's just kind of inferring maybe from a couple of verses other places. So, since we only have hints in Scripture, we really have to remain content, I believe, with the fact that God has not given us much information about the time of the creation of the angels. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So God has, has at least explicitly kept us from knowing the exact moment of when the angels were created. Sometime before Satan tempted Eve in the garden in Genesis 3.1, sometime before there, a number of angels sinned and rebelled against God. 2 Peter 2.4 tells us that. Jude 6 tells us that. They became demons. In fact, in a couple of more episodes, we'll talk more about demons. And this event occurred apparently after the sixth day of creation because if you look at Genesis 1.31, God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. So angels were created initially as good beings, and then they rebelled, and uh, a third of them became demons. But really, beyond this, Scripture gives us no further information concerning when the angels were created. Now, in the rest of this episode, I want us to look at five purposes God has for angels. If God created angels, God never does anything without purpose, whether it's in your life or my life or, or the universe. Why did God create angels? What, what purposes does God have for angels? Well, let's look at five of them I think that Scripture teaches us. First of all, number one, angels show the greatness of God's love and plan for us. Angels show the greatness of God's love and plan for us. Human beings, and angels using the term broadly, are the only moral, highly intelligent creatures God made. Therefore, we can understand a lot about God's plan and love for us when we compare ourselves with angels. So let's do that for a moment. The first distinction between angels and humans is that angels are never said to be made in the image of God. Human beings, several times we're told, uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 7, Genesis 9, 6, we're told that humans are made in the image of God. Since being in the image of God means to be like, like God in some form, it seems fair to conclude that we are more God-like than angels are. Now that's supported by the fact that God will someday give us the authority over angels in heaven to judge them. 
Paul makes a strange statement, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 3, whenever he says, Do you not know that we are to judge angels? Though we are for a little while lower than the angels, according to Hebrews 2, 7, when our salvation is complete in heaven, we will be exalted above angels and we will rule over them. In fact, even now angels already serve us. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? That's us. So even now, angels help to minister and serve, minister to and to serve us. The ability of human beings to bear children like themselves uh, is another element of our superiority to angels. They apparently cannot bear children. Uh, Adam fathered a son in his own likeness after his image, according to Genesis 5.3. But Jesus told us very clearly, Matthew 22, verse 30, angels do not have children. They don't bear children. Also, angels demonstrate the greatness of God's love for us in that though many angels sin, none were saved. Peter tells us God did not spare angels when they sinned, 2 Peter 2, 4, but he cast them into hell, committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Jude says in Jude 6 that the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their dwelling, their proper dwelling, God has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. And then we read in Hebrews 2, 16, for surely it's not the angels that God helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. So therefore, we see God created two groups of intelligent, moral creatures. And among the angels, many of them sinned, but God decided not to redeem them. He did redeem us, though. Perfectly just for God to do. No angel can ever complain God's been un unfair to them. When they sinned, they were not redeemed. However, humans, we do find redemption. We're the moral creatures, the human beings that find that sin and turned away from God, just as the angels did. But God decided to save us humans out of our sinful race, and He was perfectly just in doing so. God decided to do much more, really, than meet the demands of justice. He decided to save sinful humanity, the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, Revelation 5, 9 talks about it. In, in His incalculable mercy and love, far beyond our comprehension, it's undeserved merit for sure, undeserved favor. It's all of grace. But there's a striking contrast with the fate of angels and the fate of humans. Angels were not saved, those that, that rebelled. Humans that rebelled, we can be saved in Jesus Christ. So... The first thing, that the, the purpose of, of God and angels shows us the greatness of God's love and plan for humanity because no angel can ever sing Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I can sing that. Angels can't. So in that sense, I can sing greater than an angel. That's the only way I can. But in that sense, I, I certainly can Here's the second purpose God has for angels. Secondly, angels remind us that the unseen world is very real. 
The unseen world is very real and angels remind us of this. Just as the Sadducees in Jesus' day said there's no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, according to Acts 23.8, many in our day deny the reality of anything they can't see. There are a lot of skeptics and critics. If they can't see it, then it doesn't exist. But the biblical teaching on the existence of angels is a constant reminder to us that there is an unseen world, folks, that is very real. It was only when the Lord opened the eyes of Elisha's servant, you might remember in 2 Kings 6.17, to the reality of this invisible world that the servant saw, quote, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The psalmist, Psalm 148, verse 2, praise him, all his angels, praise him, all his hosts, Hebrews 12, 22, the author of Hebrews reminds us that when we worship, we come into the heavenly Jerusalem to gather with, quote, innumerable angels in festal gathering, whom we don't, do not see, but whose presence should fill us with both awe and joy. So an unbelieving world may dismiss the talk of angels as mere superstition, but the Bible offers good insight into the state of affairs as they really are. And, and the presence of angels reminds us that the unseen world of demons and angels and spiritual beings, it's very real. Here's the third purpose God has for angels. Angels are examples for us. They're examples for us in both their obedience and in their worship. Angels provide powerful examples for human beings to imitate. Matthew 6.10, Jesus teaches us to pray, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in heaven, God's will is done by angels immediately, joyfully, and without questioning, quickly moving to what God has commanded them to do. That ought to be you and I, folks, as, as believers in Jesus. Whenever God commands us, we should be as angels where we immediately and joyfully and without question move at God's commands. We are to pray daily. Our obedience and those obedience of, of, obedience of others around us would be like that of the angels in heaven. Their delight is to be God's humble servants, faithfully, joyfully performing their assigned tasks, whether it's great or small. And our desire and prayer should be that we ourselves and other believers on earth be as the angels in their obedience. But angels also serve as our examples in their worship of God. The seraphim before God's throne see God in His holiness. And they cry out according to Isaiah 6 verse 3, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. In John, Revelation chapter 5 verse 11 and 12, John sees around the throne of God great angelic armies numbering myriads upon myriads and thousands upon thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain 
to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. As angels find it is their highest joy to praise God continually and to worship God, should we not also find delight and joy to sing God's praise, counting as this as the highest and worthiest use of our time and joy? So, angels serve as examples to us in their obedience, but also in their worship of God. A fourth purpose of God for angels. Angels carry out some of God's plans. Now, I didn't say all of God's plans, but angels sometimes in Scripture carried out some of God's plans. Let me give you some examples. The Bible views angels as God's servants who carried out some of the plans He had for them on the earth. They bring God's messages to people. We saw that in the birth announcement of, of Jesus. We see that in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 27, bringing messages to God's people. In fact, the word angel, uh, angelos in Greek means messenger. So they carry out, in addition to bringing messages, sometimes on earth they carry out some of God's judgments. Uh, they, they brought a plague upon Israel in 2 Samuel 24, 16, and 17. Um, they, they, uh, uh, the, the leaders of the Assyrian armies, they struck them uh, with a plague. 2 Chronicles 32, 21. Angels uh, struck King Herod dead because he did not give glory to God in Acts 12, 23. Revelation 16, 1. Angels poured out bowls of God's wrath on the earth. So God does have some assignments and some plans to use angels upon this earth. And whenever Jesus returns, angels are going to come with him with a great army accompanying their king and their Lord. Matthew 16, 27 tells us angels will return with Jesus. Luke 9, 26 tells us that. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 tells us when Christ returns, returns, angels will come with him as a great army accompanying him. But we're also told in the Bible that angels patrol the earth as God's representatives. Going through a series, a Bible study on Wednesday nights uh, in our church at First Baptist Church of Garland through Zechariah. And in Zechariah chapter 1 verses 10 and 11, we're, we're told that angels as God's representatives uh, carry out war against demonic forces. Daniel 10, 13, Revelation 12, 7 and 8. So angels patrol the earth as God's representatives and, and also war against demonic forces. You may remember John chapter 20. John, in, or rather Revelation chapter 20, John in his vision saw an angel coming down from heaven and he records that the angel, quote, seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit, end quote. So angels, they, they make war against other demons and, and uh, Satan and the devil himself. And then whenever Jesus returns, it's going to be an archangel that will proclaim his coming, according to 1 Thessalonians 4.16, when Jesus returns, an archangel will proclaim the Messiah has returned 
again. So angels carry out some of God's plans here on earth. And then finally, the fifth and final purpose God has for angels, according to Scripture, angels directly glorify God. Number five, angels directly glorify God. Uh, Wayne Grudem talks about uh, these, and, and angels serve other functions. They minister directly to God by glorifying Him. In addition to human beings, there, there are other intelligent moral beings, creatures who glorify God in the universe. In fact, Psalm 103.20 tells us, Angels, bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. So angels glorify God for His great plan of salvation as they saw it unfold. Now, it didn't include the angels that fell, but they still glorified God for His plan of salvation. You may remember when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a multitude of angels praised God and said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Luke 15.10, Jesus says there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And that indicates that angels rejoice every time somebody turns from their sins and trusts Jesus as Savior. Go on to the Apostle Paul. Later in the, in the New Testament, Paul proclaims that the gospel, uh, he, he proclaims the gospel so diverse for different racial backgrounds, Jew, Greek, brought into the church, and God sees a wise plan for that church, and it's displayed before all the angels to see, according to Ephesians 3.10. Peter tells us, 1 Peter 1.12, angels long to look into the glories of the plan of salvation as it works out in the lives of individuals here on earth. Paul also notes that Christ was seen by angels in 1 Timothy 3.16. So, Paul reminds Timothy when he wants to emphasize the seriousness of a command that our actions are carried out in the presence of angelic witnesses. 1 Corinthians 4.9 and 1 Timothy 5.21. So if Timothy follows God's or other Paul's instructions, angels will witness his obedience and glorify God. If he neglects to obey, angels will also see and be grieved. So it's very interesting what Paul tells Timothy and what he writes about angels in the New Testament as well. Angels directly glorify God as one of their purposes. Well, once again, it's been good to have you join us in this episode of uh, Truth 101. In our next episode, still talking about angels, we're going to talk about what should our relationship be to angels? Um, the Bible's very clear on that. How are we to interact with them? What are some things we should do and what are things maybe we shouldn't do? I hope you'll join us next time for Truth 101. God bless you. You have been listening to Truth 101 with Dr. Greg Ammons. We hope you have enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on recent sermons by Dr. Ammons, go to www.fbcgarland.org and join us next time for Truth 101.